with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it is a very nice-looking Monday morning out there. A little bit chilly still. No wind, though. This is the nice thing. Yes. Now, I'm going to start in the host chair on Mondays. Just a reminder, I do host on Mondays now. Echo on the board. Hello. And we've got a good show, and I hope. <laughs> well, we've got good guests. Whether we've got a good host is another question entirely. Oh. We'll leave that for you guys to answer. <laughs> My first guest, he's been on the show a few times. Yeah? Yeah. Because he's always got stuff going. I like to, yeah. Yeah. Chris Diaz. And I have to confess, I originally wrote down the name of your company wrong. It's De- it's Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, not Deus Ex Machina. But yeah, well, the thing is, I, I know, mean, it's, it, a, it's, it's a player. Yeah, if you get it that far, you're at least pronouncing it at least partially right, yeah. because most people will say, well, see, De- a Deus uh, Machina, and I go, yeah. well, obviously, you don't know Greek literature very well. No. <laughs> and so now, what is Deus Ex Machina? It. Like, describe it. Like, is it? It was a. Pu- it's a publishing company that I founded in uh, 2007 to oh, be wow. kind of the vehicle for my um, my role playing games that I was publishing. Okay. And that's that's been and now it also spirals off to do my uh, novels as well. But it's been doing this for you know just over 10 years. So it did start off as a games company. Yeah, yeah. It's always and been then, first and foremost yeah. a games company. Yeah. I mean, your books. I think most of them are set in the. Universes of your games, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 yeah, everything I uh, I write is either within a setting I I've created or it's uh, a generic set of rules, so it doesn't mm. pertain to any specific setting. Yeah. But um, obviously, Amethyst is by is my um, magnum opus, so that's the one that uh, all, all the novels are based out of, or most of the novels are based mm-hmm. out of. So you're not doing novels like based in the Star Trek universe? Oh no, I don't. Yeah, I don't write. Po- I don't write no. pop culture because I'll, I'll never get paid for it. Oh, okay. So, when you started doing the rules and everything for Amethyst, because that came first, right? Yeah, the role did that in game. 2008 and 2010. As you were doing the rules, was there already in the back of your mind even the idea of, as the world was developing, you were kind of going, you know, somebody, I, I could write a book about this. <laughs> well, I had always had conceived the narrative within, these, within this setting, mm-hmm. and before I wrote the games, I ran the game. I was playing mm. these with my right. friends as early as 2001. So I had a large narrative to work off of. And then the novel series is based very loosely off of this original game that we played in the, okay. uh, in, the in the early aughts. So I basically spiraled it off from there. But yeah, I've always thought of the narrative first. And uh, the rule books are basically about 80 to 90 percent. What the what the actual narrative is, so yeah. So not really that many rules as such. It's more here's what's happening in the universe. Well, I, I said I, I use the rules as an excuse to sell the books, <laughs> and then people will buy the books for the rules and, and accidentally fall into the narrative. Like mm-hmm. the last book we just came out, Factions, which was in last April, not the last book I published, but the last one in the setting. It's like eighty percent story and twenty percent rules. Okay. Right. I hook them in with the rules and I bring them into the story. Now, do people need to read the books to keep up on what's happening in the games? Like, do the books provide... No, they're, they're, no. they're, they're, they're almost they, a set-apart thing. They are completely divorced from each other. So, yeah. like, the, um, Although you'll pick up excerpts from the novels in the games, mm-hmm. and you can, if you have the game, you'll know where they're going. Like, oh, I know this place. It's in this entry in this mm-hmm. book. But under no circumstances are you required to know one to know the other. No. Does it make it tricky sometimes in the game then 
because you're going to have people playing the game who don't, who have not read the books. Yeah. You don't really want to give away too much information in the game that some people might know about yeah. who maybe shouldn't know because it's not available to everybody. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's the same thing, well, it's the same thing with movies and, and, and a novel, mm -hmm. right? You, you, you watch the movie, you read the book, and sometimes people have, have read the books of Game of Thrones and they're like, oh, I know what's happening on this episode. <laughs> and so it's the, same, it's the same thing. If you yeah. if you read the game and then read the books, you'll go, oh, this character finally shows up. I know who this person is. Yeah. So yeah, if you, if you play the game and then read the book, you'll have a bit of a leg up, but it's not, it doesn't give you an advantage. It just... No. It just basically is just another tool. Because nothing says the... I'll just refer to them as the Games Master. I don't know if you Yeah, Games Master is absolutely okay. the terminology. Yeah. Yeah. The Games Master doesn't have to follow the book. Oh, absolutely no. not. And they, not can, they can introduce a character and then leave him way off to the side. They just brought him in for some reason, maybe to provide a piece of news. And then he's gone again. And all of a sudden, the guy who knows all about this character is going, but yeah, but, but, but yeah, no, we're going this way. Oh yeah, we everyone because I have you know hundreds, hundreds of people, thousands of people that that uh, play in the setting worldwide, and they have told me their own variations and what they've done to their own settings and to make it different. And some people have taken radical departures. Some people have taken the rules and threw the setting out completely and just used that. Wow, which is the reason why I took those rules and published them separately, and that yeah. became a bigger success. Oddly Good. enough. So now. You're, so the books that you're writing in that setting, hmm. are they still sort of playing catch up in time? Like because you were saying the first books that you wrote were basically from the original games that you guys played back in the early two thousands. Yeah. Have you are you starting to catch up? To, shall well, we there, say there real are, time? Or? There are two game books. Mm -hmm. uh, quintessence and factions right. and they have told the story about up to the end of book three and i've written up to the end of book two so you will have a little bit of a leg up but okay. not much uh, i'm running a kickstarter sometime in the summer uh, now that my last Kickstarter that we talked about last time mm. is is getting resolved in, a, in, a month, in about a month, and that'll be to return to Amethyst for another novel and another game book, which will once again the new novel will go further and the game will go further than that. So the game will always be, your plan is to have the game always sort of running a little bit ahead of the novel. Yeah, because it's basically a story bible. It allows me to to construct the world, the places and the locations, mm -hmm. create that map to create all these little things, and then I can write the book and carry our characters through that. Mm -hmm. And as you're saying as well, it doesn't, the player who's been reading the books doesn't have as much of an advantage then no, yeah, he, he yeah. recognizes some of the things, but he has no idea what's going to be in the book because the book is no yet. Well, that's the thing. That's the difference between certain fantasy or science fiction writers. Are they creating the world and then populating with characters, or are they making their characters into a world? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like... I like creating. Um, if you you read the game for for the world, and you read the novels for the characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can read a, a rule book about Harry Potter, but you watch the movies because of Hermione and Harry Potter and, and Ron Weasley and all that. Yeah. So you follow those characters. And um, whose name must not be said. And exactly. Yeah. And if you wanted to play a Harry Potter game and you wanted to make your own wizard, that's your own story. Yeah. But you read the books because of those people. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the big distinction. You, you you play the game if you want to inhabit that story in your own character and create your own, your own narrative. And you read the novels when you want to see the actual canonical narrative. Yeah. 
because I know um, a fair number, I think, of the games that are based on Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You basically, you are playing one of the characters from the thing. You don't create your own character. Yeah, lot, some, yeah, yeah. one of them. Yeah, although a lot of those games are constructing original characters, so that when they're yeah. not necessarily recreating the Middle-Earth storyline that we know it. Yeah. And so now you've got another book or piece of writing, I guess might be more specific, hmm. that is not set in that universe as far as I know. No. Aerial Alpha. Yeah. Now, and this is why I said a piece of writing because I'm, I'm not clear. Was this a book to start with? Well, if you wanted to go into the true history, so about mm. three or four years ago, I wrote a game book called Neurospasta, which mm. was a cyberpunk setting using um, using uh, my D and D rules, mm -hmm. and it was a separate. It was a single book. It wasn't like Amethyst. It wasn't a novel. Mm. I just took standalone. Just as a standalone story to create a, a setting. And many moons later, uh, Norm Cohen and I are talking, and uh, I had written a script for him uh, called uh, Palingenesis, a feature film length that we're trying to find support for. Mm -hmm. And in order to get a name for the company, he wanted to develop some short subjects, and we did Doctor's Case, and we had the Wicked mm -hmm. Ways last year. So earlier this year, he said, well, what do you have? Let's see about doing some short stories. So I pitched him about five or six ideas, varying from horror to science fiction. Mm -hmm. And... We figured out that the one story felt the easiest to conceive because of, of its subject matter. Mm -hmm. And that character in that story was pulled from that old cyberpunk setting. So we took, I took that character out of that book mm -hmm. and then created a new narrative with that character. So technically, it's within that original setting, but we've spun it off into its own little universe. So the character isn't even in the world that he was to start with. Well, I, well actually... Oh, there's two characters, two primary characters in Aerial Alpha, and the character mm -hmm. I pulled from the game is actually the female character, and then the male character is a new, is a completely new construct. So we've taken her and we put him, in, we put her into a new location. Uh, okay. Theoretically, it could be the same setting, but we're not taking the narrative or the other character. We're just taking this person out and creating a new story, which is this um, relationship between these two characters. So they're in the same universe, but it would be. Again, saying it was set on Earth, the original book they were in Europe, and in this one, all of a sudden she's in South America. Yeah, basically, we we, we yeah. well we've pl we've plucked them out of that the Pacific setting. Yeah, and we're not referencing that setting, so we've taken that character and the implied setting, mm -hmm. and then we're we're impl implanting it into this. So we we pull off all the superfluous stuff out of that setting and just keeping all the stuff that's important for this story. Because when you're dealing with something that's 30 minutes or so, you want to, you have to cut out all the fluff yeah. and yeah. just focus on the meat of the story. <laughs> and so, what was it like? Like, was this the first time you had written something as a movie script? Oh, I know. I've been writing since, I've been writing movie scripts since the 90s. In fact, I met oh. Norm at a screenwriting class in the 90s. So I've, I wrote a bunch of screenplays uh, in the 90s. I moved into game writing and novel writing through the aughts and, and up to the present. And so that was like riding a bike. So like so two years ago, I, I wrote Palingenesis. I did that in about uh, three weeks. And um, and then I wrote uh, Area Alpha earlier this year. And in that span, I've also, we've hashed out another story uh, called Today. And that one was done in over a weekend. Jeez. So, our movie is script writing something that you find just comes fairly easily to you? Uh, yeah, uh, 
well, for one thing, I don't have to be artsy. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a novel, you have you there's a, there's the voice of the characters, and then there's the, there's the voice of the narrator, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can be superfluous, you can be flowery, but the, the point is is that all the words outside of the dialogue become important because they become poetry as much as what people say. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a screenplay, since you have to follow a function and a form, that is removed from you, so you are able to focus on the more technical aspects. So you can still tell your story the way you want to tell it, have characters saying what you want to say, but you get to strip out, and uh, you're, you're no longer burdened by having to poetically compose a scene. You can be technical about it, saying, this is what's in the room, there's a pair of headphones, there's a computer, and there's two people talking on a mic. Stage direction. But if if I'm narrating, I'm like, and then we stood inches apart, our faces staring at each other. Like, I don't need to put all that because that's implied in the the story. And because you're following a very technical function of how many, the exact font and the style, uh, some people will get really turned off because... They want to be poetic. They want to break from that form. And screenplays are the opposite. You've got to fit that formula. So sometimes it's liberating because of the restrictions. I get to explore in that space. Sometimes when you have unlimited space, you you go out too thin and you wade out and you run off and you confuse yourself. When you're limited to the limitations of a script, you get to f- expand in a smaller area and you get to explore that space and fill it completely instead of being spread out. So it works really, really well for me. I heard somebody who is a game designer say one of the things he found as he was designing was, what was the line he used? Restrictions breed creativity. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Now, have you, so I'm guessing you have also adapted some of your books to scripts? Um, Amethyst has never been adapted to script, mm-hmm. but I did write the novel making it feel like it's a movie. Oh. And... Uh, but no, I never. I've never adapted a game into a script or a novel into a script. Mm-hmm. But it's not that difficult because I do work the same brain. Yeah. Also, because the scripts I've been writing, I've been trying to keep them relatively low budget, mm-hmm. and my novels are anything but. Because when you're writing, <laughs> one thing advantage of being a novelist is that you don't have to worry about yes. the cost of what you're visualizing. The Where, fifty thousand members, of the royal guard came in. Exactly. When you're writing a script like Ariel Alpha, it's just like, well, two people in a restaurant talking for twenty five minutes. No. My dinner with Andre. Exactly. It, yeah, it, it's, it was inspired by Dinner with Andre. It deals with a guy who's he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a young widower. He is, you know, kind of trying to move on with his life. But he's detached from the rest of humanity because he's been grieving. And so he kind of embraces this new technology as a way of being a shortcut hmm. to find this romantic solution. And it creates a very interesting dynamic for the course of the story. Yeah. Okay. Chris Diaz, Diaz Ex Machina, Aerial Alpha, Amethyst. I could go on and on, but unfortunately, we've reached the end of our time. Yeah. However, I've got a feeling Aerial Alpha may come up in the next section with my (laughs) next guest. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, um, Chris Diaz was talking about writing the script for Area Alpha, which, of course, be turned into a movie. And, my goodness, look who I have across the table from me now. Norm Coyne, the man uh, who's turning Area Alpha hey. into a movie. Good morning, Norm. Hey, good morning. Who's Chris Diaz again? Um, it, oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Some dude. Plays a lot of games. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. So, from what he was saying, you and he almost partnered 
on the idea of area alpha in terms of, you know, he had the idea sort of in the back of his mind. And you said, that sounds like a good one. Write that one up as a script. Yeah, I've been trying to um, farm uh, Chris Diaz's brilliance for a while now, right? So, I mean, um, just right now, we're in a position where we've got this great momentum from the doctor's case. Yes. Um, we've we've filmed Wicked Ways, which will be coming out soon, so that's awesome. Um, but we have like ridiculous gear and talents and and all that. So so I'm like, we need to be doing more stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Chris is a brilliant writer in my mind. So I was like, what what can we do? And um, and he's like, well, I got this idea, and I was like, write it down, man. <laughs> and then uh, then he had another one that he probably told you about called Today, where I was like drop everything that you're doing and finish that because it's amazing that like they're both amazing in their own respects mm-hmm. um but uh like today i think is is like of like a 10 million dollar idea but wow. anyways we can't talk about it we're under uh, ndas or something no just yeah. kidding yeah <laughs> <laughs> So where are you at then with Ariel Alpha because it sounds like the script is done yeah. it's in your hands Oh yeah, so uh, I mean, even like pre-production, we've we've got everything lined up, and uh, we have uh, you know people all in their roles and and locations. We've uh, pinned down locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we'll be filming at uh, UNBC. We'll be filming at uh, Batula Burning, mm-hmm. uh, White Goose in the old uh, Old Chocolat uh, location. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of locations around town. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's cast. Mm-hmm. So Madison Smith, who is a former Prince George um, uh, guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and now like a, an actor of some note in Vancouver, and then Becca Scott, who is a YouTube star. Yes, uh, but also I mean like she's been on like South Park and mm-hmm. and This Is Us, right? Like she's she's pretty big deal, man, uh, out of L.A. So. Yeah. So expect to hear a fair bit more about Area Alpha in the coming months. Yeah. I mean, our plan was to shoot it at the end of this month, but um, yeah. all these illnesses and whatnot uh, are like compromising our ability to bring people across the border. Yes. So, which is good. I mean, like whatever, that gives us a little bit more time for pre-planning. Not that we need it, but, um, you know, I mean, that's just, uh, we can... We can do some test shooting and we can do, yeah. you know. Might find another location that actually works better than the one you'd be looking at. You know at, what? So. More time is always better than oh, yeah. less. But uh, in my mind, I'm like, you know, like um, I, I want to get things done now. <laughs> I'm very much a now guy because, yeah. I mean, like we maybe we don't have tomorrow. No. Right? So what? Seize com- the day. So what is coming up <laughs> now for Norm Coyne? What's coming up now? Yeah. Um... Our, uh, the next event that we have planned, uh, which complies with the less than 250-person mm. rule yeah, that yeah. has been imposed by the provincial government, um, is uh, a chef challenge with Bob Bloomer. So for I've the, heard about these. Yeah. Oh, you never been? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. It's like the best food ever in Prince George. So here's how it works. Um, Food Network uh, celebrity Bob Bloomer, yeah. so who is a, a, f- a great friend of Prince George, uh, to the point actually that uh, there's going to be some some notes about Prince George in his next cookbook. Um, but um, Bob comes up and he uh, we treat the evening like it's almost like a television show. Mm-hmm. Five of the city's top chefs compete, and how they compete is they um, prepare an appetizer size portion of a dish that best represents their restaurant and their creativity. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, there's only 100 tickets sold, uh, of which wow. I think there's only 42 left right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, they present their dish. Bob interviews them so they can talk about it. And then the audience and a panel of judges, of which Chris is actually a judge, yeah. um, it, they, um, they score it, and then we move on to the next. And um, then there's, after all five courses have been served, there's like a little game part during deliberation. Mm-hmm. So um, Bob brings up some folks from the audience to, <laughs> I don't know, like chug Guinness and like pick up or crack eggs or, you know, like no. the chefs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, and then uh, the winner's announced and Bob actually serves a dessert that he has prepared. Wow. Yes. So are there any restrictions on no. dishes? No. So no restrictions. Stuff no whole The secret barred. ingredient is this. No, no, this is knock down, drag out. Jeez. Like you could serve like mm-hmm. whatever you want. No. Yeah. Do do the chefs, because this is what, the, I want to say this is the third. Third, third time's a charm, they say. Yeah. Do the chefs, as far as you know, sometimes just talk to each other a little bit and say, okay, well, I'm looking to serve... Uh, an appetizer and the other chef might say okay I was thinking about that but no I'll serve something that would be more of like a main dish no. thing appetizer so, size so these are these are actually mains they're all mains oh they're all but appetizer sized portions okay yeah wow. so and they don't talk to each other this is very serious <laughs> business my friend very serious business yeah and so going in to that night yeah all the chefs know what their dish is. Yeah. They don't know what any of their dishes no, are. No. Bob has no idea what any of the dishes no, are. No. Nobody in the audience knows what any no, of the dishes nobody are. Nobody knows. It could be anything. Yeah. It's, it, man, we walk them out like fighters, like with the music. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 <laughs> you know, like oh, the whole deal. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – and you know what? Honestly, um, it's uh, it's already like an amazing um, event. It's a fundraiser for hospice, mm-hmm. which oh, okay. now more than ever because yes. hospice is having to kind of pull the plug on a few things, uh, this is just an opportunity to raise a few dollars for them. Um, and, I mean, tickets are only $100. Mm-hmm. And this year, uh, Clint Dahl from Royal LePage – and uh, Liquor Warehouse on 15th mm-hmm. have banded together and they are sponsoring wine pairings for this thing. So basically, every one of the chefs is going to be, a, they're going to pair their ab- appetizer sized portion with a wine that you, as an audience member, will be able to uh, enjoy. So the people from Liquor Warehouse will have gotten a little bit of an idea from the chefs so yes they, they will actually they go yeah there you go no. yeah they'll know okay they'll, well they'll well they'll know they won't necessarily they'll just know the wine that they're gonna have to be supplying oh. yeah so the chef himself the chef will know knows hopefully what, he knows what, good what he's wines making are but he also knows <laughs> what good wines would be for it yeah he can say then yeah so the guys at Liquor Warehouse will maybe have a bit of an idea because you know okay well this wine doesn't go with yeah, this it's like it's probably a red meat or yeah yeah, or this is a, you know, like a, no. it, a white wine, obviously, it's something lighter. When is the chef challenge? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, April 16th. Wow. It is. Um, yeah, it's so... So it's a month from today. Yeah, yeah. For tickets, uh, mm-hmm. you can... Uh, so reservations is what we take reservations. Okay. So reservations are made um, by emailing Diane, that's D-Y-A-N-N-E, mm-hmm. at U-N-L-T-D dot me 
But of course, you can always phone me if you have questions or you're interested yeah. in picking up tickets. And my number is 250-640-6670. I recognize that number for some reason. Boom. Okay, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, talk to Norm Coyne about some other events. Woot, woot. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Norm, another event that's coming up, I hope, <laughs> is I guess I guess uh, it's sort awesome. of the big event for you each year. Really. Yeah. Northern FanCon. That's the biggest. Yes. I guess first question, everything's still good at this point? Yeah. Okay. So, because I get this question a oh, lot yeah, I can imagine. right now. Um, obviously we are not going to be in a position where we put people in harm's way. No. So, but the event is still seven weeks away. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're keeping an eye on it, a really close eye on it. Um, and, uh, I mean, if anything, um, like the event will not be canceled, it would be postponed. Yeah. But, uh, we're not there yet. So, and I have not, uh, I... Not a single one of my guests has canceled yet. Good, yeah. So you know, like just just like anything, we're gonna see, we're gonna wait and see what happens. And mm. um, you know, like the hope is is that it will go ahead as yeah. as planned. But I mean, yeah, we're we're keeping a close eye on it. And I think since the last time we talked about this, you've added a couple more guests again. Every time you turn around, oh, I'm yeah. adding guests. Who did I add? Uh, the one that I'm pretty sure. Well, I think this is your most recent one. I'm pretty sure we hadn't talked about him, Corey Feldman. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so he was actually, uh, I, I was just in Fan Expo with Chris Diaz, actually, um, in February. And he was uh, arguably the biggest guest down there. He was busy the whole time, and, and uh, yeah, just people loved him. So, yeah, he's coming. Yeah. And then I was noticing some of the other names were, again, the ones where a movie fan might not recognize the names, but somebody who's a fan of cosplay might recognize them, or somebody who reads the movie credits might recognize some of these names. Okay, so we're, are we talking about Riddle? I think so, yeah. Okay, so Riddle is a, a huge cosplayer, mm -hmm. um, but she also is a costumer, and uh, on such films as Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty pretty big deal that she's coming. Mm -hmm. um, some other names of note, uh, Mike Coulter, who is, uh, he's Luke mm. Cage on mm. Netflix. Okay. Uh, also, he's on a hit CBS series called Evil. Um, and I actually specifically sought him out because, so I always look for people who are, who will deliver a, a really great fan experience. I mean, there are moments. That's what I always think of when I no. think of events and, and life in general is creating moments for people. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's like, he's one of those guys. So I really kind of went after him. Um, uh, Mark Bernardin is set to return. Mm -hmm. Mark Bernardin right. is, uh, he's been here twice. Uh, we love him. He does a, a screenwriting workshop. Mark Bernardin is also now, uh, so he's a Writers Guild Award winner from Castle Rock, uh, worked on Treadstone. Uh, most recently, he's been moved up to supervising producer of Picard. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got some, some Major heat. chops, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tara Reid from American Pie and mm -hmm. Van Wilder and Big Lebowski. Um, uh, Joey Jeremiah and Caitlin from Degrassi. Oh. Yeah. Um... Uh, the Green Power Ranger, mm -hmm. it's a big one. We've actually, we've got a really robust guest list this year. Yeah, and um, I think I saw something where um, Coulter and somebody else are doing a game 
Oh, it's mean Mark Bernardin. Yeah, they're doing. Yeah, Mark Bernardin. I'm trying to get clearance on it to be actually a, um, an episode of Black Man Beyond, which is uh, when um, when Mark Bernardin is on his own. Right. He is Black Man Beyond, so he, he, they have a, a, a podcast basically right. uh, that is on the Fat Man Beyond channel. Typically, though, the Fat Man Beyond is Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, but I mean, either way, uh, Mark Bernardin is interviewing uh, Mike Coulter live, and it's going to be a, a showstopper, guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. What was that? Who's that from? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Oh no! It's is it from uh, it's from Dukes of Hazard maybe? Oh okay. I, oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like something. You know. Yeah, we should get somebody from there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Who's left? Oh, actually, both Tom Tom Wopat and uh, and uh, John Schneider are available. Yeah. And Catherine Bach, I'm pretty sure, is still around. Is that Daisy Duke? Yep. Yeah. And um, I want Boss Hug. Yeah. Is yeah. he around? I don't know. Sonny Schroyer, I believe, was the one who played Enos. And he, of course, went on Enos? to his... Enos? Yeah. And he went on to his own... They transplanted him out to, where was it, L.A.? And he had his own show for a year. And two. was he the same character? Yeah. Shut up. No. Oh, man, I'll have to look that up. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Roscoe P. Coltrane. Yeah. Talk, talk about culture show yeah. on both ends. So, okay, what else? So, uh, again, <laughs> what are the dates for Northern FanCon? May 8th to the 10th. See, we're doing a great job of telling people all these things like we did with the Chef Challenge. And all sense, oh, maybe we should tell them when it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's uh, Bring Your Mother. It's Mother's Day. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be in all three of the kin centers? No. No. Um, we haven't done that for a couple right. years. So this will be in CN Center and Kin One Arena. Wow. Uh, we're on the same dates as the fair, the community fair, okay. should it yeah. uh, also yes. proceed. Um, but uh, so it'll be back to be in like a big, mm -hmm. big deal, like spectacle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, is Kin One then being used as sort of a specific role, like all the vendors, the cosplay, that kind of thing? No, so CN Center is uh, the vent, like its booths, yeah, and the stage, but the stage faces the the far, like it faces the far wall, yeah. So it's kind of almost uh, isolated, um, and that's where we do all our live. Mm. interviews and panels and all that kind of stuff then in kin one we've got our artist sally and we've got a bunch of booths and then we've got our celebrities that are there for signing mm -hmm. uh photos and whatnot and then upstairs in kin one in the kin uh lounge there that is our workshop space for our filmmaker workshops whoops mm. bleh, filmmaker workshop series mm. um so yeah i mean like we do a good job of utilizing every orifice of that place no yeah, you figure hey i'm paying the rent for it i'm gonna use every inch yeah. i can <laughs> Yeah, right? Okay, so if people want more information about Chef, Ch Chef Challenge, Northern FanCon, Area Alpha even, who do they talk to? Okay, so I mean, they can talk to me, obviously, but uh, I mean, FanCon.ca for FanCon stuff. Right. Um, Chef Challenge, uh, you can look that up on Facebook. Okay. Um, I mean, we don't really plug the Chef Challenge a ton just because there's only 100 tickets, so it's yeah, easy to sell. Yeah, and they go fast. Yeah, but I mean, like, sure, they can seek it out. Um, and then... Uh, for anything movie-related, uh, the company that we – our film production company is called Barker Street Cinema. So mm. BarkerStreetCinema.ca is uh, um, the website for all our film dealings. Mm -hmm. Barker Street. Gee, that sounds 
fairly close to uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, right. So it's a play mm, on Barkerville and, yeah. and uh, Baker, Baker Street. Street. Yeah. yeah. Norm Coyne, as always, thank you very much. Wealth of information. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Take I love you guys. Take another quick <laughs> break. And we'll be back with more. It's after nine on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS FM. And talking now with someone from, I guess I could say the health industry, but we're not going to be talking about that thing at all. Curtis Mays with the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation, and I think I've got your title right, Community Giving Coordinator. Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's been been a little bit. Yeah, so now... For people who may not know or may have forgotten, what is the role of Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation in terms of Northern Health? Absolutely. The Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation, uh, we raise money uh, through local philanthropy for healthcare uh, equipment and uh, healthcare advancements. Okay. Yeah. So we go out and we run events and we collect donations from wonderful people such as yourselves and then we use that to fund advancements and in and make health care better in the north and i think the one thing that sets spirit of the north apart from a lot of other groups like this is you guys don't just raise money throw it into a big pot if you will and let northern health or uhnbc decide how they want to spend it no decision on how it's going to be spent is made before you guys start raising the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For the for the most part, that's how it's done. And then Northern Health reaches out to us. We collect them into funds, and then uh, when there is a piece of equipment that needs to be funded, then we make sure that it's dedicated to that. So we're able to uh, to sort of um, make sure that we are using or that we're we're funding the most essential pieces. It's awesome. Yeah, because the it's not just well we've got this money sitting around and. Nobody seems to know what they want to do with that. So, yeah, not yeah. that that would ever be a problem. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly, especially it, in healthcare. <laughs> yeah, but it is just so nice to be able to say, we are funding this for this machine. It's going to be in this hospital, and here's what it does. Yes. And people can then say, yeah. yeah. And the other thing I think you need to remember is this isn't just Prince George. No. You guys have funded equipment in probably most of the hospitals across the north. Yeah, this is the, re- the referral area of. Uh, Northern Health. You're going to test my memory now. Um, I know it's over a hundred communities. Wow. It's yeah. So yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's a it's an area of BC that is roughly the size of the country of France. Yeah, I think it. I think the one thing I've heard is Northern Health is basically like the northern two thirds of the province. Yes, it's yeah. huge. Because it goes down. Is Williams Lake in Northern Health? I don't believe so. I okay, think so that Cornell one might is, be. Yeah. Quinell's definitely us. Yeah, I think so the, Williams the Lake drawing is... lines between Quinell and Williams Lake, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But that just gives people an idea because you go from, say, Alexandria. I think Alexandria is about halfway between mm-hmm. Quinell and Williams Lake. Go from there up oh. to the Yukon border, and then from coast to coast. Yeah, that's how much area Northern Health covers. And Spirit of the North. I'm not thinking every day, but probably on a fairly regular basis, you guys are talking to all the different hospitals and just saying, hey, have you guys had something come up where you're suddenly realizing you need a piece of equipment? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, That's that's our CEO, Judy Neiser, and yeah, she does a great job at that. So, 
how much of it is new equipment and how often is it this piece of equipment it's been doing a great job but it's starting to wear out and we can get an upgraded version so it'll be a new piece of equipment to that extent but it's not like a brand new piece of technology how often do you guys sort of replace Whoa. equipment I don't know. I can't no. really speak to that. No. Sorry. I, Most of the time, it's we need this new piece of equipment. Yes. I, yeah, now. I believe so. That's the, the healthcare advancements. Mm. Um, but there are quite a few times where we have found uh, where, where there's a, a replacement piece of equipment, but it's not just the same one. It will be an updated one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because yeah, it's it, how fast healthcare equipment uh, mm. becomes obsolete is yes. is stunning. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't think there's very many, even across all of Northern Health, I don't think there's too many where they still got the gerbils running on them to get keep the power going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone's shoveling coal in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, they just decided, okay, somebody shoveling coal in the machine is not the most healthy thing in a healthcare facility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's get rid of that one. Um, so what is the most recent piece of equipment you guys have completed funding on? Um, we just did the actually the Harley Davidson raffle that we do mm. with the Prince George firefighters just was drawn on Saturday, wow. and I believe that was two ultrasounds that were going to get used, two portable ultrasounds that were that were going to get used at UHNBC. Okay. So yeah, one of the the other kind of nice things is when we are looking at an event like this, we will talk to the group that we're working with and mm -hmm. sort of say, where is, where's your passion? Where do you, cause healthcare touches us all. It just mm -hmm. touches us in different ways. Mm -hmm. So sort of talk to them and say, where is your focus? Where do you see that? Um, what do you find important? And then we sort of work within that with them. So, yeah. yeah. So, and are there, are there times in where, word sort of gets out here's the here's the newest piece of equipment that we're going to be funding i mean you get a call from somebody in the community who says hey i'm interested in that sort of stuff can my business maybe run something for you guys as a fundraiser um we have a lot of third-party events mm -hmm. and uh those are i absolutely love those <laughs> yeah, <'cause you're laughs> <organized them. laughs> yeah exactly those are great yeah when someone comes to us with an idea and says we would absolutely love to do this and this and this how can you help us or we have some money we'd like to direct to mm -hmm. uh spirit of the north let's see if there's some way that we can sort of elevate that and increase this amount how can we how how can we do that yeah, I absolutely run. I absolutely love running those. <laughs> okay, so that basically then that took care of the two portable ultrasounds. Yes, so they're now funded. Yes, they are funded. Okay, yeah. What is next on the board? What's next is, and this is where our next event coming up is Spirit Day, and this yeah, is we'll on... talk about that after the break. Oh, okay. I just wanted to get a bit of an idea for what the next major piece of equipment was. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I yeah. haven't decided yet. No, it's. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't get to go, or I'm not invited to those meetings. Aww. That's <laughs> that's above my pay grade. No, I wish I could tell you, but I actually, yeah. Okay. So they say you just go out and raise money. Don't yeah. ask, don't ask us where it's going. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. got a place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I trust that to, there are smarter people than me at work behind that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about. Spirit Day with Curtis Mays. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Curtis, Spirit Day 
coming up. I've heard something about this, I think, just a few minutes ago, actually. Yeah, exactly. What is Spirit Day? Spirit Day is maybe my favorite day of the entire year. Oh. Spirit Day is our uh, annual radiothon, and it's on the first Thursday in May. So this year, it's on May 7th. So that's about as late as you can get. Yeah. yeah. And it is... Um, we go, it's an 11 hour radiothon. So we go from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. We have organizations and sponsors come in and call out to try to raise as much money as we can for healthcare in those 11 hours. Wow. And it's awesome. It is. It's beautifully orchestrated chaos. Um, there are people coming. There are people going. It's absolutely fantastic. There's food that comes down and gets delivered. We have just people that walk in off the street and do donations. It's so much fun. Yeah. And I'm guessing you were saying you've got your people phoning out and everything, but I'm assuming other people can phone in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you would like to donate, you can call in at 250-565-2800. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone is on the phone making a call out, it will just get directed to the next phone. We have a, a bank of eight phones. Mm-hmm. And uh, if not, it just directs straight down to the office. So, wow. yeah. So the people who are going to be on the phones, like if a certain company is sponsoring an hour, they will have their people. Yes. Wow. Yes. They do have the ability. An organization can either match uh, an hour, which Mm -hmm. means that they match every dollar up to a certain amount raised, Mm -hmm. or they can bring in their team. And those ones seem to be really popular because Mm -hmm. it's team building. It's fun. It's uh, they can be kind of goofy and joking around with each Mm -hmm. other. And we have some organizations which are really competitive, really competitive. So I'm not just saying expect a call on May 7th. I'm saying in the week leading up, one of your friends might call you up and say, hey, on May 7th, I'm going to call you, be near the phone. Yeah, and he can even tell you what hour he's going to call you yes. in because he knows what yeah. hour they're working. Yeah, exactly. Set your schedule. Yes. <laughs> so this is the biggest fundraising day of the year. For Spirit of the North, I take it. It is the, well, our gala at mm. festival is is, is yes. pretty nuts. But this is this is the one that has the, the least amount of overhead. This has the least moving parts. It's mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of people in the community doing fantastic work and coming down and, and volunteering. So, but yeah, it's, it, it is definitely one of my favorites. And I'm thinking one of the other reasons it's one of your favorites is it's held at the UHNBC atrium. Yeah. Which means... Nobody in your spirit of the north has to do any driving around that yeah, day. Exactly. Really. It's right outside your door. Yeah, I don't have to go anywhere. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah they're right outside my door. And because what how many years offhand would this be? Do you know? Oh, I think this is our thirteenth year. Wow. It was the Radiothon for nine. Mm-hmm. I guess it's twelve because okay. it was there was the Radiothon for nine and then yeah, we just had the this is this would be the third of our rebranded as Spirit Day. Okay. So obviously, then as well, the day before, like probably the evening before, you guys like a well-oiled machine. Everybody just moves the pieces of equipment to where they need to be for the Thursday morning. Yep. Exactly, and we actually have a, 
I, I, I can't speak to them right now too much until we lock down the details. <laughs> but um, we have been working on Spirit Week. So the, the couple days leading up to Spirit Day. And there will be things within the community going on which will go to uh, the funding of Spirit Day. So I, I don't want to get too far into them. But let me just say that a bunch of them are food related. So Food related is yes. always good. Yes. George. <laughs> really easy to tease that. Yes. <laughs> and it can be so open-ended. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, Spirit of the North, as we were saying in the first part, mm -hmm. most of the time you're fundraising, it's going to this specific item. Yes. This is something different this year. No, we're changing it up this year. We're doing a, a, a thing um, called What's Your Passion? And the idea is... Uh, our sponsors, as well as people calling in, can direct their donation to what in healthcare um, is close to their heart. Because healthcare touches us all differently. Mm -hmm. uh, or sorry, healthcare touches us all, but it touches us all yeah. differently. So uh, some examples of places you could call in to, uh, to donate to would be oncology, uh, respiratory, which is uh, COPD, right. uh, mental health and wellness, cardiac, pediatrics, um, or uh, our area of greatest need, which is uh, the would be the campaign that we're currently working on. Okay. Yeah. But you're not going to tell people necessarily ahead of time what that area what that area is. No. That changes very rapidly. Yes. <laughs> so people can call in, and if if there's none of the areas that really strike them as being where they want specifically easiest thing is just to say area of greatest need yes because exactly. that throws, throws it right back on your guys's shoulders yes you make decisions yes exactly exactly and if there's something that that uh, you have a passion for please call in and donate to it and yeah. we will make sure that the money gets directed there and so this money you obviously be keeping track of all the donations which area they're going to so that even if you're not working specifically for a piece of equipment for that area right now, this will almost be like seed money for the next time that that area comes around for a piece of equipment. You've already got some money in the bank to start with. Yes, exactly, exactly. And when that piece of equipment comes up, you can say that you were part of funding it. Yes. So now, is there any reason for people to come down to the atrium? Like, is there's... Is there any entertainment or anything like that besides watching the people on the phones? <laughs> well, there's there's food. You can come mm -hmm. in and say hi. I'd say that you could come in and shake my hand. But, but um, we'll see what things are like by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, but there's always stuff going on down there. If, you, if you'd like to come down and say hi, absolutely. Have mm -hmm. some food, and uh, we'd love to get you involved. Yeah. And if you want to find out more about Spirit of the North... That's also a great time to come in, although they might be kind of busy that day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'd still make time for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give them the five-minute tour of the office. Yeah, exactly. But if uh, yeah, if you want to find out more, but you don't want to come down, uh, you can check out www.spiritofthenorth.ca, and that has all of our events for the entire year, as well as all of our campaigns. Wow. So, have you got all the sponsors set up yet is every hour basically set yet or are there still a couple of openings We're, there's still a couple openings if you're interested but uh they are going quickly so if mm -hmm. you're interested 
Don't sleep. Act on it quickly. Yes. <laughs> What's the phone number to call? The phone number is 250-565-2515. And they just, is that the front desk? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they just say to them, want to talk to somebody about possibly sponsoring an hour at Spirit yes. Day. And the front desk will say, okay, I'll give you to so-and-so. Exactly. Curtis would love to buy you a coffee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, so now you were saying there's eight phones. Yes. Bank of eight phones. So if if somebody, if a company is sponsoring an hour, do they have to fill all eight of the phones? Or would you probably have a couple of people, extras, if you will, who would be able to... F- take any any phones that their people couldn't handle absolutely any any volunteers of uh, of any kind we will take we have tons of people within the community that have done it in previous mm-hmm. years so they come back so sometimes we mix them in and they're all fun people so mm-hmm. yeah even if you if you would like to sponsor an hour but you don't have a full eight person team i promise you i will be able to fill the phones good and if you have more than eight, I will find them a spot they can use my office for the day. Oh, just do tag team phone hacking. Yes. Half hour, halfway through, everybody tags in. <laughs> next group comes in. <laughs> Curtis Mays, Community Giving Coordinator for the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation. Once again, when is Spirit Day and what are the hours? Spirit Day is May 7th, and it's from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. So you people are going to be up probably at 6 a.m. It's a long day. Yes. (laughs) Thank you very much for coming in. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Okay. That'll do it for today's show. I'll be back next Monday, but somebody will be in tomorrow.